0: we're back with another edition of the Chief Zone Farzine Vesugian in here with you. And unfortunately, for the second straight week, both being primetime games, we're covering another loss. Not not good. Not good. And look, gosh, that was tough to watch. In especially when it's when it's on primetime in front of a national audience, you want your team to go out there and do well. You don't get extra wins or, you know, extra points, but Come on, you want your team to do well in a big stage like this. And the Chiefs just couldn't deliver. The Packers were way too much to handle. The final score, 38-28, to 28, is not indicative of how close this game really was. Uh, here's the thing, and I've, I've had this debate with so many people on social media. You know, you can, you can make a comment about a player or a team. And so many people will use box score stats as basically evidence as to whether or not not a team is good or not or or a player is good or not. I was reading the uh, box score on ESPN, and I looked at just the team stats for a moment. I didn't look at the... uh, Well, I'll put it this way. If I was... If I was a guy who missed this game, if I didn't see the game, I just saw the final score, 38-28, and if I read the team stats, and also the players' individual stats, you could have convinced me that this was a really close game and that the Chiefs played the Packers all the way to the wire, which was not the case. But looking at the statistics, which Kansas City dominated statistically in the second half of the game, the Chiefs really looked good. My point here is... It's really important that in cases like this, that, you know, look, we're sports fans, we make comments about players, we criticize, we we, we do all kinds of commentary on social media, we all do it. But if you're going to do it, make sure you saw the game, because this is one of those, and I guarantee you, a casual NFL fan that didn't see this football game will say, hey, the Chiefs looked really good in this game, statistics looked really nice, and they played the Packers really close, which... Obviously, they, the Chiefs didn't play the Packers closely in this one. Uh, it was 31-7 to at one point. And the Chiefs uh, outscored Green Bay in the second half, but it was not enough. Kansas City uh, just had a lot to deal with. And Aaron Rodgers, oh, gosh, props to him. Uh, did a fantastic job. I actually thought the Chiefs were going to give Aaron Rodgers a lot of trouble in this football game, but turned out Rodgers... Uh, turn things around, and one one notable story. And I don't want to touch too much on this since it's not a chief story. Pro Football Focus gave Aaron Rodgers a negative grade for this football game. A lot of you guys are familiar with Pro Football Focus. They they grade players based on performance, but also when certain situations happen and how players do in those situations. And Aaron Rodgers got a negative grade because he fumbled and turned the ball over on a play that didn't count, which we've got to get to that one later, but, and then also a possible interception drop by Josh Maga, which would have been Aaron Rodgers' first at home since December 12th, or pardon me, December 2nd, 2012, and it just makes you wonder, pro football focus is weird because, and don't get me wrong, I love it, I think it's a great source, 19 NFL teams have hired Pro Football Focus for analysis for players. But the thing about Pro Football Focus is... a lot of the... a lot of the grades... they can be a little misleading. And I think for the most part, it's good. But last year, according to PFF, Jamal Charles was not an elite running back. Just based on grades. And I don't know the details... And everything that goes behind grading, I mean, at least in specifics, I can understand, yes, and like I mentioned, you know, in those situations, how they grade players, but I don't know exactly, you know, how many points does a player get because pro football folks is really detailed with their grading scale. And I just don't know how that grading scale comes together. So, you know, like I said, statistics, grades, very misleading. Aaron Rodgers. Has a quarterback rating on ESPN, the stat that ESPN created, of 78. And obviously he looked much more Five touchdowns, 333 yards, 24 of 35. I mean, he gashed Kansas City's defense. There's there's nothing else to say about that. But as far as the Chiefs go, so much to talk about in this football game. It, it, It really just looked brutal. We'll we'll recap the game in just a second. Real quickly, for this show, because uh, the Chiefs have a short week, that means we have a short week. We're not going to be able to do two episodes. We'll do one episode uh, instead. Later in the show, we're going to talk to Matt Miller, one of my favorite guys to talk to about football. I've never had him on this podcast before, but I've talked to him uh, in other uh, radio jobs I've had. And Just a really fantastic guy to talk to. He's the Draft Scout for BleacherReport.com. You can follow him on Twitter at NFL Draft scout. We'll have him on our show later. And a lot of people want to know about Alex Smith. And look, I I, I, I disagree with a lot of you guys on uh, certain things that are being said. And I agree with some of the things. I'll get to that soon. But I, but I went ahead and asked Matt Miller. I said, hey, Miller, what do you think? Alex Smith or Chase Daniel and Aaron Murray. Because there are people on the Chase Daniel and Aaron Murray bandwagon right now. They're, they want those guys to start. So I I asked them to address you fans. Because a lot of you want a new quarterback in Kansas City. And I get that. We'll touch on that later. Then I'll give my thoughts on the quarterback situation. Because it is a hot topic right now for for Chiefs fans. And then, of course, we'll preview the Cincinnati Bengals and the Chiefs. Uh, as the Chiefs got a rebound quickly and uh, get, get over this loss and move on. And I also want to get into Andy Reid for a moment. Uh, I don't have the audio to share on here, but he's been really interesting uh, the, the past few days with the media. And I'll touch on that uh, very shortly after the recap. But as far as the game goes, Alex Smith, statistically speaking, 24-40, of 40, 290, uh, one touchdown, one interception. Doesn't look horrible. Like I said, the, 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 the stats... Uh, aren't a fair representation of what happened in this game early on it just looked like the Chiefs could not get anything going and you know let's start with Andy Reid in this one because I don't know how many plays we saw to Jamal Charles where the ball was thrown three to five yards behind the line of scrimmage to Charles. I feel like it was Madden where you're picking the same plates over and over again and you're playing that guy who throws to the same guy, same location, same route, ten times per game. How many times did we see that? Not all of them were completed either. And I and I really appreciate the Chiefs trying to get Jamal Charles going, but even Jamal Charles, had he looked rough in this game. Yes, he had three touchdowns, but... Gosh, 11 carries for 49 yards against the 31st-ranked rush defense that the Packers are? I mean, that's unfair. I mean, that's just hard to fathom. The Chiefs have to do a better job than that, and look, I think you've got to put a lot of blame on Andy Reid. First off, the play calling was atrocious for the second week in a row, and... On top of that, let's keep in mind this. This is another reason I was so high on the Chiefs because Andy Reid is great coming off a of bye week. He's only lost twice coming off a of bye week in his career. One of them with the Chiefs, one with the Eagles. And that 11-day break, playing on a Thursday, getting 72 extra hours. But the Chiefs played on a Monday night, so they got an additional 24 hours to prepare for that game. Normally coming off Thursday night, teams get a 10-day uh, preparation for the next game but being that the Chiefs played Monday night for this this week, this past week, the Chiefs had an extra day to prepare 11 days total and you show up flat and let's not forget another, and I don't know if this is on Andy Reid Bob Sutton or Jay Howard the announcers uh, Gruden and uh, Tarico. they got on Jay Howard for this but how do you allow the 12th Person penalty twice in a game you can't afford that i mean the, the, the you, we talk about fundamentals on sports that is something you cannot allow and i again i don't know if it if it, was, if it was jay howard not hustling off the field or if he was just taking a nice sunday walk to the sidelines i don't know but someone's gotta here's how it works in the nfl if an offense is wanting to hurry up, and if at some point they want to make a substitution, the officials will allow the defense to also make a substitution if they want to in between plays. So I don't know how much time was needed because, look, sure, J. J Howard not hustling is one thing, but the coaches. They need to know who they're going to put in and who they're going to take out, and it could be one of the defensive assistants too. I mean, every team handles it differently. Maybe they have a position coach or the coordinator who handles that. Uh, I, I I would ha- hate to say this, but I think it's possible Andy Reid in Kansas City handled substitutions. Given just we we heard from Bob Fesco last week. I said, hey, look, Bob, why isn't Andy Reid? handing the play-calling duties to somebody else, maybe Doug Peterson, and he said, hey, look, it's probably an ego thing. And maybe Andy Reid just wants to have a lot of control as a head coach here in Kansas City, and and maybe that's on him also. Who knows? But I'm just throwing all these possibilities out there. But that is something inexcusable. You cannot allow it to happen. For it to happen twice is another thing. But as far as Andy Reid goes, the play calling second week in a row looked bad. Jeremy Macklin, if you had him on your fantasy team, great. Thumbs up. Eight receptions, 141 yards, and a, touch, a touchdown. A wide receiver touchdown. Finally, it happened uh, since the uh, no, uh, December, I believe, of 2013. Uh, Dwayne Bow, the last wide receiver to catch a touchdown for the Kansas City Chiefs. However, Jeremy Macklin, the numbers he had going, I don't know what it is, but... A lot of times football players, if they have a big lead, and we saw this with Kansas City in week one against Houston, when teams have a big lead, they play soft. They they don't play a hundred percent because they don't wanna they don't wanna risk injury, they wanna avoid getting hurt. I mean they just they just don't feel the need to go out there and, and, and play as hard. You know if you have that defense on your fantasy football team, the players could give a damn because they just wanna walk out alive and, and get ready for next week. And look, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that if NFL teams do have a large lead, they don't want to play as aggressive because they don't want to put something on film that they don't want to do, that they, they don't want to show for their upcoming opponents. That's a great strategy too. Now, sometimes it backfires. Look at Kansas City against Indianapolis in the postseason. I don't want to dwell on that too much, but did the Chiefs get too comfortable in that one? I don't know. Maybe the Packers got too comfortable and they just let Kansas City run around. It, it, it's not one of those things that shows up in the stats sheet. Uh, you, it's one of those things you have to watch the games. And by watching that, Green Bay did look different. And really, they, they looked a lot soft, more soft in the second half. They, they kind of just let Alex Smith do whatever he wanted to do because the game was at that point really wrapped up. It was decided. Sure, Kansas City could have had that two-point conversion in, in their last touchdown and then uh, possibly could have got the onside kick, but look, it didn't happen, so that's not even a story. So, as far as Jeremy Macklin, okay, look, it's nice that he's getting, he's going, but it happened during garbage time, all right? Let's not, let's not lie to ourselves, come on. It did happen during garbage time. Now, if the Chiefs played like that for four quarters, I can't help but wonder what this game could have been for the Chiefs. This was a statement game. If the Chiefs won against the Broncos and didn't lose like that, maybe we can look at this game and feel okay about it because the Chiefs would be 2-1, and one, possibly tied with Denver and Oakland for first place in the AFC West. By the way, Oakland on top of Kansas City in the division. This is how you know the panic button is being hit after week three. But as far as everything else going with the Chiefs offensively, a lot of it was garbage time padded stats for me. That's all it really was. I mean, Alex Smith scrambling right before halftime. I mean, what are you even doing at that point? It's better than just, if you're going to do that, might as well take a knee because you, what if you get hurt on that play? I, I'm just not seeing a lot to feel good about with this offense right now. Defensively, hey, look, uh, Every everyone is entitled to a bad day, and this was really the defense's first really, really, really bad game in a long time. Uh, Jamal Fleming didn't play. I think Chiefs fans were happy about that, but instead that resulted in a, a Tyvon Branch filling in for Phillip Gaines. Uh, that didn't look good. Uh, safety converting the quarterback on the spot. And then you also had Marcus Cooper. Remember Marcus Cooper at one point looked really good, his rookie season in Kansas City? Yeah, I remember that too. That's a long distant memory right now. Marcus Cooper got torched in this football game. And it's a good thing that Sean Smith is back, especially when you're going to be facing Green, uh, one of the hottest wide receivers in the NFL, a rising star too. Uh, He may even have reached that point too. The Chiefs really need Marcus Peters and Sean Smith to step up in this game. because, And, and the Chiefs do have two good cornerbacks right now. I do kind of worry about Sean Smith because he's been away for three weeks. But if he's going to be the same old Sean Smith that we remember from last season, then Kansas City's pass defense is going to be good. And it's going to help Eric Berry even more because he can focus on coverage a little bit and be more of a help safety. Instead, we saw him lining up so close to the line of scrimmage at times. He was almost playing like a like a corner. I mean, he was playing one-on-one out there at times, it seemed like. So uh, Eric Berry's responsibilities and role, I think, are going to change a little bit now that he has Sean Smith and Marcus Peters. I, two really reliable cornerbacks for the Chiefs uh, coming up, uh, hopefully for the rest of the season. Got to hope these guys can stay healthy, too. Uh, and it's hard to, to be 100% throughout the season. No one's 100%, even at right now. Uh, three weeks in, uh, people are a little banged up, nicked up, but uh, just got to avoid injuries. A lot of people are hurt, but uh, injuries, uh, that's a different story. You want to make sure these guys can stay on the field. That's that's the uh, most important duty there. Uh, Pass rush wasn't even there either. Uh, Justin Houston, Tom Bahali, not too good. Holly did get a sack, and I was really glad because holly uh, he's been on this team for a long time, and wants to stay here, took less money, and people just love him even more but it it just wasn't a good night for the defense either. Um uh, Marcus Peters, I do want to touch on the or uh, part of me uh Cooper, uh Marcus Cooper, I want to touch on cuz uh the Chiefs did get that fumble recovery. And uh Cooper I don't know how many times Cooper got penal- penalized in this football game, but he cost the team a poss- a possession in which he could have had a takeaway. And then a couple penalties too. Again, one of them falls on Tom Bahali and a couple other guys. But Aaron Rodgers. I I saw this crazy statistic on uh, Pro Football Focus. Just how successful Aaron Rodgers is on free plays. I think he's completed half of his more than half of his passes on free play. I think he had two or, or maybe three free plays from Monday Night Football. And one of them resulted in a touchdown. When you have a free play that allows the other team to score a touchdown, that's when you know this defense is not in uniform. It looked really bad from a viewer's perspective. So overall, not a good game. Niall Davis had a nice kick return early in the game, which could have helped the Chiefs really get into this one. He had that 54-yard return, but that's turned into a 3-and-out, and it was a wasted opportunity. So much to take away from this football game. And if you're the Chiefs, there are some question marks right now. Did that fumble against Denver really derail your confidence and perhaps your season? I hope not, but at this point, that could be the case. Who knows? Now, I want to touch on Andy Reid before we go to our interview with Matt Miller. Andy Reid had one of the most Interesting post game comments I have ever heard from a head coach, possibly right up there with Bill Belichick last year. Coincidentally, uh, it, it happened a year ago from Tuesday, when he kept saying, "We're on to Cincinnati, we're on to Cincinnati." Right after getting blown up by the Chiefs on Monday night, Andy Reid. Every question that was asked, he said that he's uh, he he takes responsibility. And he would add a couple other comments, basically adding on to the fact that he takes responsibility. Adam Teicher from ESPN uh, at ESPN.com covers the Chiefs there, formerly from the Star. Teicher asked him something to the effect of whether Reed will consider or make a quarterback switch. And Reed's exact words were, I take responsibility for that. Which, first of all, doesn't even make sense. That's not even a, a logical answer to that question. Andy Reid was asked about Jeff Allen on Saturday. And Andy Reid really had a strange response. He says, hey, look, we're talking about the Packers. We're on to Green Bay. And I'm thinking, and I was kind of shocked by this because one of the preseason games, with the pregame shows that KCTV5 does, Michael Coleman sat down with Andy Reid and asked Andy Reid about the media. And what his thoughts were on the media. And Andy Reid said, look, I, I actually wrote for a college newspaper when I was a college student. And that he's familiar with deadlines and editing and uh, copy copy editing and all that stuff. So he knows what guys like Therese Paylor are after. What guys like Bob Fesco, what they want for their show. So I I was really shocked with the way he responded to the media for that that question, the, the Jeff Allen question, and then about the quarterback possibility. And then at the end of that press conference, he says, we're on to Cincinnati. Which, again, a year ago, that's what Bill Belichick was saying after that loss to the Chiefs. Uh, so, um, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'm not quite sure uh, what's what's going on with Andy Reid. I don't know if there's something going on behind closed doors with John Dorsey and Clark Hunt. A lot of people really want Andy Reid out of Kansas City. And gosh, I've got to say, I mean this is a guy, look, Todd Haley he went from coaching the Chiefs to an AFC West title to getting blown out in so many games the following season. Andy Reid has coached the Chiefs to two seasons where the teams finish above 500. Last coach to do that I want to say off the top of my head, it's Dick me. I'll look that up right now, but I'm almost certain it was Marty Schottenheimer. I don't know why, I don't know just how impatient Chiefs fans are exactly, but just from some of the things I'm reading on social media, it's really getting to everyone's head right now. Andy, first of all, the team's one and two, and and I'm not going to sit here and say it's early because it's not early anymore. We're almost a fourth into the season. And this Chiefs team needs to pick it up. Because if they don't, Denver's running away away with this and Oakland might finish in second place this year, which I know Chiefs fans do not want at all. Now, to be clear, the the last time the Chiefs finished above 500 for 2 years in a row, it was in 05 and 06. Different head coaches, Vermeil in 05, his final year before he retired, and then Herm Edwards, who coached the Chiefs to the playoffs in 06. He was the first head coach in franchise history to take a a Chiefs team to the postseason in his first year with the team. Andy Reid, obviously, the second to do that. Uh, But the last head coach to have back-to-back seasons above 500 was indeed Marty Schottenheimer. So for Chiefs fans to really just go on this tirade here is shocking to me because this is the guy who turned your 2 and 14 football team in from 2012 to a 9 and 0 team and I get it we can sit here and talk about that 9 and 0 start how chiefs it's shocking to me chiefs fans at the time were offended when the national media and other columnists mentioned that the 9 and 0 start happened against easy football teams when now people are talking about Alex Smith saying the 9 and0 was all luck because of the easy schedule, can we be fair for a moment? So, first of all, that 9 and0 start. Kansas City really proved something because a lot of the, some of those teams they played and beat during that 9 and0 run, they lost two of those teams the year before. The Browns were one of those teams off the top of my head. I'm not gonna to go through the whole schedule, but my, my point is people are so quick. ...to want Indy Reed gone. I can understand Alex Smith... ...the the the irate comments there. Because... ...look, the Chiefs need more productivity... ...from a guy if he's going to be paid $68 million. But so much... ...we've got to keep in mind... ...who else are you going to bring in right now? The past couple of years in the draft... ...we haven't seen a lot of good quarterbacks. RG3 looked great his rookie year... ...but after that he's gone downhill... Andrew Luck and Russell Wilson might be the only two QBs worth talking about in recent history. And Marcus Mariota probably on that path. We should give him a a, a larger window before we judge him fully. But this is a team that, you know, they really turned things around the past two years. And for Chiefs fans to really want Andy Reid out already is shocking to me. Look, even Alex Smith I'll throw in there. And I'll get to Alex Smith later. But for right now... I want to take a break because I want to talk to Matt Miller. We're going to talk to him. He's a tremendous draft scout, really knows the game inside and out, and he really knows a lot about college football players, NFL players, and and really evaluates them very well. So I want to talk to him about a couple of the rookies who have really shined for the Chiefs, and we're also going to get into that quarterback discussion. Should the Chiefs bench Alex Smith, and would the Chiefs do better with Chase Daniel or Aaron Murray? Yes, I am going to ask those questions because it's something people want right now. A lot of Chiefs fans want that switch. Matt Miller is next here on The Chiefs Zone. Alright, it's that time now in our show where we bring in our guests, and this week we have Matt Miller, the NFL Draft Scout for Bleacher Report, does a tremendous job uh, watching game film, evaluating players in college football, also in the NFL, spends countless hours uh, just watching game film and watch so much football. Uh, in front of him and uh, does a great job with it overall and we're really happy to have him on the show right now. Matt Miller from BleacherReport.com. Matt, thanks for joining us here on the Chiefstone. How are you?
1: Doing great, man. Good to talk to you again.
0: Yeah, you know, it's uh, you and I have kept in touch, but it's been a while since we've been able to do uh, a show on air. Uh, last time I did, I was uh, at the University of Kansas and we did it on KGHK, but uh, first time for this podcast. Since we last did something like this, you and your wife welcomed a, a new baby boy to the world, and uh, I, I know as a father, I'm sure that's challenging time-wise, uh, you know, being a, a father of a young one, and also uh, spending so much time watching football, especially during the season, what's it like, man? A, a lot of, a lot, pretty much a busy schedule for you, isn't it?
1: It's not easy, I'll tell you that. Um <laughs> it It's you know I will say, um and my wife will never listen to this, so I'm not just sucking up, but uh, <laughs> she's great about like working around my schedule. So you know, I'm up usually by seven thirty every morning, um you know, work until the the little guy wakes up, get him off to daycare, and then I work until five, and at five o'clock, like um unless you know unless it's Monday night or Thursday night. The, the laptop stays upstairs in my office. I try to not look at my phone and just spend a couple hours with the family. And then once uh, once eight or eight thirty rolls around and the, the little guys in bed, then I'm I'm back in my office till you know one or two in the morning. So it's it, it, during football season. It's you know I'm I'm doing football 12, 15 hours a day, and, and everything yeah. else kind of takes a back seat. But you know this is uh, I didn't have this job when I met my wife, uh, and she knew it was my dream job. So I, I think she's given me a lot of latitude to to have some fun and and kind of live out you know what I always wanted to do.
0: All right, I'm going to put you on the spot, Matt. Uh, I'm gonna I'm going to ask you something that that you're good at, but uh, I want to know what's uh, what's the draft scout? What's the evaluation on Mr. Miller and uh, what position is he going to play in the NFL?
1: <laughs> we'll see. Uh, you know, he's kind of stocky. I, I think he could be a middle linebacker because he's uh, oh, he will he'll, he'll run right through you. So it's, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, you know, I was pretty tall and skinny in high school, so. We'll see, uh, we'll see who he takes after.
0: We're joined by Matt Miller from BleacherReport.com. Check him out on Bleacher Report and uh, follow him on Twitter at NFL Draft Scout. Matt, something I, I kind of want to start off with, and I feel like the Chiefs have really done a good job drafting over the years, but some of the players just haven't really panned out. And I guess one player that in mind that I'm still thinking about wondering why this happened, Glenn Dorsey from 2008, uh, some some players get off to a hot start right away, some take forever, some never even reach that point uh, of, of what's expected from them. I remember Mel Kuyper at the time saying Glenn Dorsey was the best defensive player entering the draft in the last 15 years from what he could recall. Uh, why is it that this happens sometimes with uh, college football players who have all these possibilities and potentials, but they just never reach them? I think
1: it's, it's unique. You know, you could, you could point to injury. You know, some guys, they come out of college and they're just dinged up and it takes about a year to, to get that out of their system. And for some guys, it's mental. You know, like they've, whether it's a quarterback or an offensive lineman or a, a corner, they've just not been asked to, to process the game at a pro level in, in high school or in college. So they have to make that adjustment. Um, and some guys, I think it's the lifestyle. You know, it's, um, could you imagine being 22 years old and being a multi-millionaire? Like I would, I would have oh, yeah. been in jail. Like, I would have just been in so much trouble. So the I think there's a lot of different reasons. So I always try to take it easy on guys who struggle in their first or second or even third year because you got to remember, they're still like 25 years old at that point, and they're still growing physically. They're still maturing emotionally and mentally. So it, it's a lot of different reasons. And with Glenn Dorsey specifically, you know, being a guy from Missouri, I loved him as a 4-3 defensive tackle, and he was drafted to be a 3-4 defensive end. So it was like the scheme never fit what he did well, and I think that hurt him. And ultimately, you know, he became a nose tackle in San Francisco for a little while and had some success, but he was a guy who never really played in a scheme that I felt like benefited what he did as a pass rusher.
0: Matt, uh, something I want to touch on, uh, and I know the Chiefs did not look good on Monday Night Football, but some of the rookies have uh, really been exciting to watch. And we mentioned Mel Kuyper earlier. He rated Marcus Peters, the rookie cornerback, as the number one uh, rookie so far after two. uh, This was before week three started. I'm, I'm sure his list will change. Uh he had uh Mitch Morse at number three, Marcus Mariota between the two. Let's start with Peters for right now. This is a guy who had off the field issues in college, and here he is in the NFL taken a little late in the first round, and this guy's a stud. He he looks like the steel of the draft so far. You
1: know, I will I will gloat a little bit here. I had Peters at number six overall in that draft class and just thought he was phenomenal. Like I didn't get it. You know, the the slander on him, and it was like, it's frustrating because you, you know, you do, you pour over the film, and that's like the objective part, you know, you and I could sit side by side and watch film and and view a player differently, but once I started doing the background work on this kid, it was like he was so remorseful for being kicked out of Washington, and, you know, there were so many rumors about who he was off the field, but it's almost like no one took the time to get to know him, and I, I actually made that effort to You know, dig into his background, talk to coaches, talk to his agent, talk to the people training him to get a sense for who he was. And I walked away really comfortable with him. And maybe that's easy for me to do because my job isn't on the line if I miss on a player like Marcus Peters, but, you know, my reputation is. And and I was willing to, you know, put my reputation up against the fact that in a really good draft I thought he was a a top six player. And and he's played to that level so far and, and is only getting better each week.
0: Matt, I want to touch on Mitch Morse, the rookie from Mizzou. Uh, Obviously, a lot of Chiefs fans uh, were excited about the pick because he's from Missouri, a strong contingency of Missouri Tigers fans in the area. But a lot of people outside of Kansas City, not too hot about this pick at the time. Looking right now, it looks like the Chiefs knew what they were doing. I guess the surprising part is Mitch Morse was a tackle, and he's made that transition to a center in the NFL And he's really lived up to expectations. He's filling in for Rodney Hudson, a great center who the Chiefs could not retain, went on to the Oakland Raiders, a division rival, but that's a long distant memory at this point right now. What's your take on everything you've seen from Mitch Morse so far?
1: No, I was one of those people when Mitch Morse was drafted, I was in New York and I looked at our host and Chris Sims, the other analyst, and was like, what that, what did they just do? Like, Mitch Morris in the second round, and, like, I'm from Missouri, you know? Like you said, I, Missouri was the first school to ever credential me, so I was blown away. I thought he was, like, a day three pick, and the problem was I evaluated him at tackle, and the Chiefs evaluated him at center. So, like, it was a completely different evaluation, and he's playing very well. Like, I, I've been blown away with how well he's played the first three weeks, and I think that, you know, two, three years from now, he's going to be one of the best centers in the NFL because he's, he attacks the game like a tackle and he understands space like a tackle, but he's physical. Uh, and at center, the fact that he's a little short arms isn't a problem for him. And what he does getting to the second level is so good. And, and he's you know allowed them to run a lot of trap plays underneath, a lot of counters, and, and he just dominates there. So the Chiefs hit a home run with Mitch Morrison. And that's the best part of my job, honestly, I think this is when I'm wrong about a guy on the positive side. Like when I think Mitch Morris. Is a fifth rounder and he becomes an all star. Like that's the highlight of my of my job is to be wrong on a guy who just succeeds when he gets to the pros.
0: Matt Miller from Bleacher Report joining us right now. Matt, I'm going to ask you a silly question. It, it, maybe it's not a silly question. I, I guess it, it depends on your answer. I, I feel like I know what you're going to answer, but I'm asking this because. So many Chiefs fans out there are livid right now with the quarterback situation. Not too happy with Alex Smith. And look, let's let's remember two second-round picks for Alex Smith. That was a trade a couple of years ago when Andy Reid and John Dorsey came to Kansas City a lot of Chiefs fans are are fed up. They're done. They want to move on to Chase Daniel. And again, like I said earlier, strong contingency of Missouri fans here. Understandably so. So Chase Daniel right now, he's he's one of the popular guys who who hasn't even played a lot of games. Only two games for the Chiefs. Aaron Murray, uh, he's, he's a Georgia Bulldog. So there are some Georgia fans in the area. But because he had a good college career, people are praising him too. And they want to see him. I've, I've got to ask the question, Matt, because and I'm doing this more so for the fans. Uh, you and I, we understand the game very well, but I want to know, address the fans. Chase Daniel and or Aaron Murray, are any of those guys the solution for the Chiefs right now? No,
1: I really don't think it is. And what's funny is the things that Chiefs fans don't like about Alex, you know, the lack of arm strength, he doesn't push the ball down the field. Those are the same things that you're going to get from Chase Daniel and Aaron Murray because they're smaller quarterbacks without great, downfield velocity especially Aaron Murray Um, and there's a reason I love Chase Daniel great guy has always been really kind to me I don't think he's a starting NFL quarterback and I I think if he were he would have been by now you know he was in New Orleans under Drew Brees and Sean Payton if someone thought he had starting potential he would have been given a shot you know look at these guys Josh McCown is a starting quarterback right now like if you can if you're even passable as a starting quarterback you're going to get a chance so uh, you know but I agree I, I think Alex Smith has a ceiling and a limit, and and they're kind of bumping up against that. You know, he's growing up a 49ers fan. I can tell you from experience, he is good enough to give you hope, and he's bad enough to frustrate the hell out of you because it's like there's not a whole lot of consistency. But there aren't very many good quarterbacks in the NFL right now. So Alex is a good placeholder until they can find a young guy who they believe is the, the franchise quarterback. And I have a lot of faith in John Dorsey. I have a lot of faith in the scouts that he has on staff there. I think – one of the best front offices in the NFL. So I, I believe they'll figure it out. And I think the Chiefs look at it as a process. They're, they probably didn't think they were a Super Bowl team this year, and, and fans should look at it the same way. If they're in you know, maybe step two or three of, of turning this thing around, not at step 10 right now.
0: I think from the casual football fan's perspective uh, that just watches these games for fun, uh, if they follow college football and the NFL, they see Chase Daniel, they see Aaron Murray, both illustrious careers at uh, the University of Missouri and the University of Georgia. I think Aaron Murray broke just about every notable college record, uh, passing record at Georgia, and Chase Daniel, uh, a Heisman runner-up at one point, uh, was on the cover of S.I., almost took Missouri to a BCS championship game. Why is it that so many college football players, especially quarterbacks, do so great, but then then in the NFL they end up being backups at best.
1: I think it's usually a physical limitation. You know, and like for, for Daniel and Murray, that's what it is. It's that lack of size, lack of arm strength. Um, and, and for Daniel, like I don't know how well you remember when he would play in the preseason in New Orleans, there were times he looked phenomenal but it was like he really struggled to see deep middle of the field or the deep out, you know, everything was, it had to be an on schedule throw because he just couldn't see the entire field. And and I think with Aaron Murray, it's probably the same thing. You know, Murray was so prolific at Georgia, but it was a lot of check downs, a lot of yards after catch. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't creating a whole lot on his own. And so I think that that comes into play. And the NFL is still a height, weight, speed league. Like, you know, take a 6'4 quarterback like Christian Hackenberg who could throw the ball all over the field but has struggled in college, and you're going to find a coach and an offensive coordinator who's like, I can fix that because he has the tools. But you take a Chase Daniel who might be you know, super smart and shows up under the lights, but he has some physical limitations. There's only so much you can do with that uh, once he gets out on the field. So I-, I think that's probably the biggest part of it.
0: He's Matt Miller from BleacherReport.com, the NFL Draft Scout. Check him out uh, on Bleacher Report, and also follow him on Twitter at NFL Draft Scout. Matt, definitely appreciate the time. I know you're a really busy guy with your schedule, as, as we mentioned earlier on the show. Uh, I know you're out there doing so many radio hits uh, all over the country. So uh, definitely appreciate you taking some time to be with us. Uh, and uh, you know, while we're at it, prepare your son because uh, hopefully the Chiefs will take him number one overall uh, several years down the road in the draft.
1: He might be the future franchise quarterback
0: for the Chiefs. You know,
1: <laughs> we'll see.
0: <laughs> hey, that, that's a good call. Uh, hopefully he doesn't take as much criticism as uh, some of the other quarterbacks over the years. Matt, definitely appreciate your time. We'll talk to you down the road. Yeah, you bet, man. It's Matt Miller, Bleacher Report, Draft Scout. Go follow him on Twitter, NFL Draft Scout. Just a funny guy to talk to. And I, I, I've seen his uh, post on social media. a little guy, hey, it looks like he could uh, have an arm one day. You never know. Uh, but that's uh, definitely years down the road. Alright, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come back, we'll preview the Chiefs and the Bengals on this uh, short week for the Chiefs, also a short week for us so we're all doing this all in one episode, but I, I kind of want to talk about Alex Smith and the quarterback situation for a moment you just heard Matt Miller's comments, I mean don't take it from me we just heard from a, a pretty viable draft scout I'll give you guys my thoughts on the other side A big thanks to Matt Miller for joining us here on the Chiefs Zone. Great guy. Definitely follow him and check out his work. He really knows. He's one of those guys who knows what he's talking about. and It's definitely a pleasure to have him on the show to talk with us uh, about the Kansas City Chiefs and really just give his input on uh, those rookies. But you just heard that question I asked him about the quarterbacks and he immediately didn't waste any time first words to come out of his mouth no. Alex Smith is the guy. Chase Daniel and Aaron Murray, those guys want to make a difference right now. And if Chiefs fans think otherwise, you know, look, I don't know what to say because those are those are guys who are backups for a reason. As he said and I've said this before, if someone in the NFL right now thought those guys deserved a shot, first of all they would have been drafted. Chase Daniel didn't get drafted. He got cut by the Redskins. He was a full time backup for the Saints. And here is here he is in Kansas City. I don't understand his contract. It is overpaid for a backup, but he's a backup for a reason. And yes, you can point out those two win, those two games. Both of them were not wins, actually, against the Chargers. But you know, let's not forget Damon Heward. He really filled in well for Trent Green in 2006. But how did he do in 2007 and 2008? Non-existent at that point. So, it's it's one of those things for Alex Smith. First of all, again, as Matt Miller said, and I'll just echo his thoughts. Those guys are backups for a reason. And it's one of those things where... Do you really think the Chiefs would do anything differently? A lot of Chiefs, and I've had conversations with fans on Twitter about this... Here's what I've been telling fans: If the Chiefs, if Andy Reid switches to Chase Daniel, first of all, that's going to make headlines because Alex Smith has been above 500 each season with the Chiefs. He was 10 and five in two, two, 2013, and then he was eight and seven in 2014. You have to keep in mind he didn't play all 16 games both seasons. Uh, week uh, 17 in uh, 2013, Andy Reid benched all the starters, and then in 2014. That's when Alex Smith he couldn't play because of that lacerated spleen. So we've seen Chase Daniel a couple times, but Alex Smith, I'm here to tell you guys, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. If you go to Spot Track and look at Alex Smith's contract details, uh, they signed the they signed the deal before the 2014 season, but after 2014, Smith was given a new four year deal. Worth sixty-eight million dollars. Keep in mind, he is in year one of that deal, and he's got a base salary of eleven point nine, with a signing bonus. Excuse me, signing bonus of three point six million. So a total of fifteen point six million. And if the Chiefs cut him, there's a dead cap of forty and a half million dollars. Twenty sixteen, Alex Smith. $14.1 14.1 million base salary, uh, cap t- total of 17.8 million. Now in 2017, the Chiefs have some options there because the dead cap for Alex Smith is not as high as it is in 2015 and 2016. 20- I said 2015 was 40 and a half million, 2016 it's 24.9 million, 2017 it's 7.2 million, 2018 the dead cap is 3.6 million. Uh still he's getting paid at least 10 million dollars in each of those uh, seasons. fewest he's getting is 2017, $10.8 million. 2019, he becomes an unrestricted free agent, and he will be 35 by the time that happens. So it's, uh, it's hard to say right now, and I agree with a lot of people. Alex Smith is not getting the job done and needs to do better. The offensive line, look, the offensive line I feel like has done some work. Uh, I saw a uh, statistic out there that Alex Smith has held the ball the second longest out of any quarterback in Week Three. So the offensive line is blocking for him. There are players that are open downfield. Smith isn't even—he doesn't even see them. I don't know what reads he's making, but he's not finding those open guys when he has the time to get to them. Also, and I don't know—it's—it's it's the issue we had with Matt Castle in 2012. The Chiefs, a ton of talent, but. It's just not going all the way because of the quarterback. And the Chiefs right now, they really have championship talent. This is the best and most talented team Andy Reid has had in Kansas. This is the most talented Chiefs team. Gosh, I don't know since when. On both sides of the ball. Look, the Vermilion era was fun to watch. But there were not a lot of talented guys on the defensive side. Right now... There are talented pro bowlers on both sides of the football. We've seen we've seen these guys come to fruition in 2013. A couple of those guys, McCluster, Albert Flowers, they left. A Few others left as well. But the Chiefs still intact in terms of talent, loaded on both sides of the ball. And I, I do agree, Alex Smith is holding this team back. But as Matt Miller said, which I again I I I, I don't want to be a broken record, but I agree with him. You're not going to see a much a much bigger difference with Chase Daniel. I know Chase Daniel did look a little better in that Week 17 game last year, taking shots downfield, but he didn't connect either on those guys. I remember in the preseason, people just went crazy for Chase Daniel, and then when he starts throwing an interception, all of a sudden those Chase Daniel supporters were silent. And I get it. A lot of them are Missouri fans. And look, as a Jayhawk, I don't even care about the KUMU thing. This is not even about that. My point is, I know lots of Missouri fans that are Chiefs fans. They want to see Chase Daniel because that's their boy. That's their college guy. So I get it. But the thing is, you've got to be realistic too. I mean, Chase Daniel went to a couple other NFL teams and he was not wanted as a quarterback. He was either cut or became a backup. He went undrafted too. So that's kind of something that we need to keep in mind. First of all the con- first of all the talent. The, 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 I think that's important. The talent there. Second of all, and it's a close second. You you could they're interchangeable in terms of the reasons. But number 2 for me, the contract. I mean, they're paying Alex Smith so much money. You can't go out there and bench a guy and put Chase Daniel. What I was saying earlier, if Andy Reid benches Alex Smith, who again was has been five above 500 each of his two years here so far and puts in Chase Daniel and if the Chiefs lose with Chase Daniel that's a fireable offense for Andy Reid any head coach gets that last thing about Andy Reid by the way on the last segment keep in mind he is the fourth most winningest coach among all active NFL coaches this guy's a future Hall of Famer might go into the Hall of Fame without a Super Bowl ring but he's been to the Super Bowl and has been to several NFC title games I think he's capable of taking the Chiefs to an AFC title game one day, but I think Chiefs fans really need to relax and just not get so carried away with all this. Because Andy Reid won a lot of games in Philadelphia for a reason. I mean, it's not like giving him up was easy. And you saw in 2013 when Andy Reid went into... Philadelphia and got that big win. Kind of stuck it to them a little bit. And even at, at times I remember in 2013 when the Chiefs had that 9-0 run, I was really curious so I went on Philadelphia Eagles message boards and San Francisco 49ers message boards. They want 49ers fans wanted Alex Smith back and Eagles fans wanted Andy Reid back. And you know what with what's going on in Philadelphia right now with Chip Kelly, I wouldn't doubt it if Eagles fans wanted Andy Reid back right now. So all I'm trying to say is be careful what you wish for because I think Chiefs fans are just not aware of how much Andy Reid has done to turn the team around. Look, I get it. There are still no playoff wins, but does that mean Trent Green was a bad quarterback? A lot of you guys rank him, and I've had this in the past. I've had this conversation in the past. I rank Joe Montana over Trent Green. A lot of you guys strongly disagreed with me on this. And Green, as we all know, he never won a playoff game in Kansas City. So let's not get too ahead of ourselves with the postseason wins. I mean, Alex Smith, he did everything he had to do in that postseason game against Indianapolis. I I don't mean to bring that up again, but did we forget how well he played in that postseason game? Because that collapse was not on him. Not at all. Just something to keep in mind. Just food for thought. When you want to think about Alex Smith and Andy Reid as well. All right, I know this podcast is getting close to an hour, which, again, it's crazy because the Chiefs have a couple of early primetime games, so we've had a short week. So we haven't had a lot of time to release these podcasts and try to, uh, to do them on two separate shows and keep them short. But, uh, you know, that's the way it goes sometimes. So hopefully you guys have enough time to listen to this. Possibly. Maybe a couple of times throughout the week. So that way you can uh, finish one half and then get to the other. Uh, if you are doing that, odds are you're finishing this podcast up later in the week. Uh, but as far as the Cincinnati Bengals go, uh, that's a game the Chiefs, at this point, it, everything feels like a must win because you're behind. You're 1-2 and two and Denver's 3-0. and oh, Oakland's 2-1 and one and ahead of you. So the Chiefs really have to do a lot to perhaps contend for a wild card unless... Uh, The Denver Broncos pull a Josh McDaniels from 2009 and just flat-out collapse. Playing on the road Monday night and then quickly turning around, visiting the Bengals on a short week. So uh, not easy for Andy Reid and the Chiefs this week, but uh, look, I I mean, we'll go ahead and get to it right now. Uh, Andy Dalton, uh, you know, I, I think it's funny with him because he has not won a postseason game yet. But he's done so much for that Cincinnati Bengals football team. They rewarded him a mega contract, and they're really pleased with the way he's looked so far. And ever since he's been drafted, and I, I should—I mentioned recent quarterbacks. I'm saying I said Andrew Luck is the only one maybe worth mentioning, and Russell Wilson, possibly Mariota. I, I should have thrown Andy Dalton on that list because this this guy is in the top ten in nearly every key category every single year, and this is the kind of quarterback that teams want. And the Bengals, really fortunate to have him. They had a really good quarterback in Carson Palmer for a long time. Andy Dalton ran eight touchdowns, one interception. And by the way, when it comes to sacks, Bengals haven't allowed a lot of sacks. So Andy Dalton has been sacked twice, whereas Alex Smith has been sacked more times than any quarterback with 13 this year. So the sa- the defensive aspect really comes into play because with Cincinnati, Uh, you know, it makes you wonder. I mean, they're definitely going to bring the heat, but I want to focus on the Cincinnati offense for a second because obviously I just highlighted Andy Dalton, very good quarterback, and a guy who takes great care of the football, and he's going to be looking to hook up with A.J. Green a lot, who's fourth in the NFL right now in receiving yards with 335 uh, behind Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, and Steve Smith, and then Larry Fitzgerald right behind him. So this Cincinnati team has a nice quarterback-wide receiver duo uh, with Dalton and Green. And that's going to be the, the good news for the Chiefs. They do have the pass rush to try to get to Andy Dalton. And on top of that, they have Sean Smith coming back along with Marcus Peter. You had to put Sean Smith on A.J. Green, though, because Marcus Peters has been torched a little bit. And look, every even Richard Sherman, Chris Harris, those guys get torched at times. But not as much, even the best. But with a rookie going up against A.J. Green, that'd be a huge mismatch. So Kansas City definitely will want to put Sean Smith on A.J. Green. That's a huge uh, key matchup right there for both both teams, really, and I think more so for the Chiefs because they don't want to allow A.J. Green to just go off on the on the Chiefs' defense, especially after what Aaron Rodgers did. Tyler Efert's another guy to keep your guy on. He has the same amount of touchdowns as A.J. Green, but has kind of been used a little interesting. I think he and Travis Kelsey might have a nice head-to-head battle, but uh, kind of like the Chiefs with Macklin and Kelsey, the Bengals have a really nice wide receiver, tight end target. They're just options for Andy Dalton with Green and effort. Uh Defensively, you know, I, I wanted to get into this because Cincinnati is a good defensive team. And this is a team that's going to bring it. Uh, especially with Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap. Both have two sacks on the season. And they they don't have a lot of sacks on the year so far. I mean, six sacks. So, you, you average average that as two per game, but this is still a team that's getting to the quarterback uh, one way or another. They're putting pressure out there, and then, you know, they, they make plays. Uh, Adam Jones, he's been kind of up and down throughout his career. Of course, he, he was with the Titans for a while and has had some off-the-field issues, but Adam Jones, a really good cornerback uh, for the Bengals so far this season. Uh, again, like I said, it has been kind of up and down, but... Uh, this year, if he if he keeps this up, he might return to that 2006 form he had with the Titans when he had four picks for them. And, and he's had three interceptions in each of the last two years for the Bengals. So, and he was very quiet with the Bengals when he first signed, I believe in 2010, uh, off the top of my head. But Adam Jones has looked really good so far this year for the Cincinnati Bengals. So I think that's going to be a hard matchup for Alex Smith. So, and I said this before the season, I, I have a feeling because Smith had such a good relationship on the field with Vernon Davis, he's probably going to throw, oh, still, even with Jeremy Macklin on the team getting $55 million, I think Alex Smith is going to throw a lot to Travis Kelsey throughout the year. And I think this is going to be one of those games because you're not going to be too confident with Alex Smith trying to challenge Adam Jones in the game. And Cincinnati does have a pretty good secondary, and you know maybe a challenging one for Alex Smith with Kirkpatrick, Reggie Nelson, Adam Jones in that in that secondary. So, and also Leon Hall, I, I think is worth throwing in, in in that mix as well. I think he can make some plays at any time. I know he wasn't as good uh, early in his career, but you know he's still capable. By the way, Wallace Gilbert is on this team, who I, I'm really surprised he's not with the Chiefs after how well he played as a defensive end, better than Glenn Dorsey and Tyson Jackson. When they were in Kansas City, but uh, Wallace Gilberry's has kind of had an up and down career. So uh, you know, I, I think this is going to be one of those games. If Peoli was still on the, on the team as a general manager, I think he'd want to stick it to him a little more. But uh, you know, as as far as the defensive front, I mean, they still have a lot with Carlos Dunlap uh, at the left defensive end spot and Geno Atkins, ninety six and ninety seven. Uh, Atkins wearing ninety seven, uh, Dunlap. 96, those are two guys that Chiefs fans will want to keep an eye on. And we highlighted Mitch Morse with Matt Miller earlier in the program and also a little bit uh, last week uh, on the show. But Geno Atkins is a guy who, he. You know, he, he, I think he's going to give Mitch Morse a little bit of trouble in this game. So it's going to be one of those games where Mitch Morse is, it's the learning curve as a rookie. You, you're, you're going to get used to some of these things as you go on. But uh, we'll see how that goes. I'm not too confident with Eric Fisher, though. You know, whether he's playing left side or, or the right side, defending Michael Johnson or Carlos Dunlap, Eric Fisher's a bust, guys. I mean, I hate to say it, but you know, forget that he's a number one overall guy. Just has a first-round pick, first-round selection, not going too well, uh, especially in his uh, starting, uh, his first start uh, this past week against the Packers. Just did not look good at all, especially against a weak, a really weak, Green Bay front seven. As far as my prediction for this game, look, I I've got to be honest. I I picked the Chiefs in every single game this year, and with the way they've looked and just have made me look like a fool, uh, I'm, not, I'm not too confident. I think the Chiefs will get pressure on Andy Dalton, but uh, you know I, I think it just comes down to the offense. Do they step up in this football game? And are they going to rely on Jamal Charles? Uh, Who's going to step up for the Chiefs offensively? Because Charles has kind of struggled a bit lately. Of course, week one and week three, rushing yards not there. Week two, yes, he did have a 100-yard rushing game, but he did also fumble a couple times. He turned the ball over. So uh, that's something that uh, kind of scares you right now, wondering... How is Jamal Charles going to do? And uh, which Jamal Charles is going to show up in this football game? We, we questioned Dwayne Bowe with that many times last year. And now I feel like we're questioning the same thing with Jamal Charles this year. He's got to bounce back for the Chiefs to be a viable option. Either way, not too confident with the offense. I think it's going to be one-dimensional. And I think Andy Dalton will handle Sean Smith in this game with... Uh, AJ Green going up against him uh, so whether you put Peters or Sean Smith I think AJ Green does have a good game and gets at least 100 yards and a touchdown so I'm going to go with the Bengals in this one uh, I'll say I'll say 28 to 17 28 so I, I think that might be a little generous but uh, I, I think the defense does look a little better than it did on Monday night but for the most part not going to be enough to stop the Bengals appreciate you guys making me part of your morning afternoon or evening Farzi Masugi in here with you on the Chief Zone. Uh, next few weeks will be better because we'll have two episodes per week. We'll be able to have a preview, a, a recap show, and then a preview show here on the Chief Zone. As always, like my Facebook page, Farzin Vesugian, and then follow me on Twitter at Farzin21. And please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just look for The Chief Zone. Hit the subscribe button and you will get an episode anytime a new one is released straight to your iTunes or on your mobile device. Once again, Farzin Vesugian here with you on The Chief Zone. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next week.